Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Shazam. Shazam! Is the seventh instalment in the DC Extended Universe, and is the first live-action film version of the DC Comics character Captain Marvel since uh, the 1941 serial Adventures of Captain Marvel. Shazam is still in cinemas now. If you haven't watched Shazam yet, but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Directed by David F. Sandberg, Shazam continues that new direction for DC films with Asher Angel starring as Billy Batson, a teenage boy who can transform into an adult superhero played by Zachary Levi. This time we get a movie that is family friendly and at times a bit of a comedy. Jason, you have the plot. 14-year-old Billy Batson, as you said, played by Asher Angel, is taken into foster care by the Vasquez family, where he meets other foster siblings, Eugene, Darla, Pedro, Mary, and Freddy, who's played by Jack Dylan. Summoned by the wizard Shazam at the Rock of Eternity, Billy is given the ability to transform into an adult-sized superhero, played by Zachary Levi, by saying the wizard's name, Shazam. With Freddy's help, Billy begins to learn the full extent of his multiple superpowers. But meanwhile, using testimonies by those rejected by Shazam, and having been rejected by Shazam himself, uh, Thaddeus Savannah, played by Mark Strong, finds his way back to the Rock of Eternity and frees the Seven Deadly Sins, allowing them to use his body as a vessel to escape. Savannah then attempts to take down Billy, who Shazam has declared as being the new champion of eternity. It's really good that we give that spoiler warning, isn't it? Yeah. That is a packed plot. That's what happens in the movie. (laughs) Well, let's start by talking about the character's name, Shazam. So Shazam is the name of the wizard. Not the superhero. Originally in the comics, he was Captain Marvel. We already have a Marvel Studios Captain Marvel movie. Out at the same time, which is quite... I mean, what are the odds? What are the odds? But in the movie, let's refer to him as Shazam. Because that's the title of the movie. He is Shazam. He says to Billy Batson, he says the wizard's name Shazam. So let's go with that's who he is. I mean, they refer to him mainly Freddy is Captain Sparkle Fingers. That's like Red Tornado. Yeah. I mean, the The champion is probably the one that's used the most. They they play with it a bit, like even as a joke, you know, they, they say that he's a he's a hero of many names, and you know, everyone's sort of speculating. They, they yeah, they brainstorm a few. Pretty funny. But no, it's kind of a little, maybe a bit of poke, you know, a bit of meta humor there as well, where it's like, uh, you know, we don't need to call him Captain Marvel. And saying at times this movie is a comedy, I'd say the movie is a comedy. It's not a movie with funny bits. I would say it is a straight up comedy and is part of the universe that we started with Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, all those movies. This is part of that world. When we got Aquaman, you know, there was a very dramatic shift in, I guess, tone and direction of where this universe is going. Shazam, you know, is directly following that. Do you think that we are, again, going in even further new direction? You know, this being pretty much a blatant, straight-out comedy. Does it feel like it's set within the world? It does. It does. I, I don't think this is, this the tone in this movie being a comedy is the new trajectory for DC films. But the Shazam movies and this is going great at the box office, a lot cheaper to make than Aquaman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think we're going to get more Shazam movies. Yeah. And we know we're getting Black Adam starring The Rock. I just think the tone will be this. And then 
you know, whether we get another Superman movie, that'll have its own tone, Batman's got its own tone, and it very much feels, it, it's filling out the world for me. Because, you know, you've got different people. Like, in yeah. the world, you've got people that are moody, you've got people that are funny. Yeah, there are dark, in the real world, there are dark, gritty places, and there are bright, happy, suburban, you know, like, environments. And like that this. can be reflected in these movies. Like, if you look at, you know, the Marvel movies, Thor Ragnarok. They don't outright say it's a comedy, but it pretty much is. Mm. And Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess, started that with James Gunn's script. It's very much got humour as the backbone. So I think tonally, it does work for me that it's different to the other DC movies. But you're right, if you're going to compare it to any, it would be Aquaman. Even in the lead, playing Shazam... You've got Zachary Levi. He's primarily just done comedy, really. A lot of comedy and on TV. It just seems like you've got Jason Momoa, who started on Game of Thrones, Stargate, Atlantis, uh, Chris Pratt starting on Parks and Recreation, and now Zachary Levi. TV stars seem to make good superheroes on the big screen. And if you look tonally, <laughs> saying this, this is a comedy, and the humour that we had in Aquaman, both directors came from horror. Yeah. So everything's just all <laughs> over the place. You've got a TV star in the lead, mm-hmm. directed by a horror director, and it's a comedy. But I think, you know, like, the, these multi-talented people that are just genre-defining... You know, go back to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. He was a horror director, and he was... He That's a good point. ...put out, you know, a great franchise. We do get horror elements in Shazam, which I really enjoyed. And I think having Sandberg coming from a horror background really helps that but what i will say the marketing for this movie extremely misleading Mm. you watch those tv spots you watch the trailers it is big with superpowers they leave out all the darker elements and i did notice when watching this that whenever it get quite dark i mean that boardroom scene when you got the sins let loose this scene really reminded me actually again of of that spider-man you know with norman osborne going into oscorp and pretty much Telling them all how it is, or you yeah. know, taking them all out with the pumpkin bomb. It was, it was that, and then yeah, like that. It sort of went into like a horror scene, much like the octopus scene in Spider-Man Two. It was very Sam Raimi. That's what. Guy gets thrown out a window. Yeah. Another guy gets his head bit off. I was seeing now there was a young crowd. Yeah. I was seeing parents taking kids out of the cinema and then bringing them back in. I people would have asked me on the street because you know that's what they do. Now they've asked me. You're like, oh, shit, I'm like, is it is it more of a kid's movie, a family? And I've been saying, and maybe I shouldn't have been, I'm like, yeah, it's very family-friendly, but now I'm thinking about it. It presents as family-friendly. <laughs> and, you know, we are focused on a family in the movie, and there's jokes, and it's light-hearted for the most part, but the horror elements are quite horrific. I'd say more so than a movie like Ghostbusters. The horror is a lot more pronounced in this movie. So based on those spots and trailers, I thought, you know what? My six-year-old, maybe I'll take her to this. After watching the movie, I won't. Because when it gets dark, it gets really dark. And Savannah, so, you know, Mark Strong, he is really good in this. But full disclosure, I'm a fan of his anyway. But, it, but he <laughs> is really good in this. And it seems what he's doing, he's turning the, the evil, mm. the menace, high. Because he needs to distance himself from what Levi is doing in Shazam. The sillier Levi is on screen, which fits for the character, the darker he can go. Because otherwise, the movie would just be too silly and campy. If you had a campy villain going up against Shazam, 
it wouldn't have the weight that I think that the finished movie does have. They still use like what what Mark Strong's performances do. Like they still use those elements, and it feeds into the comedy. You know, like because he is being so serious. I mean, they it do. juxtapositions they do. it against it, and that that's there's humorous effects. You know? But I do think he's able to take his character in a darker direction because of that contrasting in in personalities. Mm. But that scene when they're up in the air and you've got like, I mean, what, a mile or a couple of yards between them where Savannah is evil monologuing <laughs> yeah. and Shazam's like, I can't hear you. And you just get, yeah, just <laughs> back and forth a back to him. I mean, this movie is really That's actually funny. exactly what I was trying to explain there. Yeah, it's like he's being, you know, evil, serious. He's like delivering lines that you would expect, you know, from an, an evil, evil guy. But there's just a comedy element to it because it's just, what is going on? But Zachary Levi... Is perfect for this. We really should talk about how he's beefed up for this. Like. And he has, yeah. So he packed on 20 pounds of muscle, which put his overall weight at 220 pounds. So he really did bulk up for it. No, they really could have just put him in a suit or something. I mean, because he is essentially in the outfit the whole time. Yes, yeah, so he is supported by the outfit. So you're not seeing him wearing spandex. Like, the, yeah. you know, even Henry Cavill, as big as he gets for Superman. He has assistance from the costume, whether it's like helping the definition or just like <laughs> yeah. certain shadings. But he does get some help. But Cavill is a giant compared to oh, to, oh, to Levi. We see him. We see him without his shirt and stuff. But what he has done movies. for this part is incredible. Like he really is in good shape. And you mentioned that like, he has got the costume on the whole time. Like you never see him topless. But then if you did see him topless, it would be weird because you're seeing a 14-year-old boy as an adult topless. So they didn't need to do that. Like, you watch a Thor movie, Hemsworth yeah. is taking his top off. Because he's not a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> but that, exactly. But that doesn't happen in this movie. But listening to an interview with Levi, he was talking about, although you only ever see him wearing the costume, for him it was very much the mindset. He wanted, like, if he's going to be this character and he's going to get in shape, he wanted to know for himself that he has put the work in and that he has, yeah, he has he's, he's bulked up. But he really is good in this. Now, this interpretation of Shazam is very much taken from the New 52 series written by Jeff Johns, which did make quite a few changes to Shazam. Like, what we get on screen now, years ago, wasn't the origin for Shazam. Oh, okay. Well, he was still a kid, though, that turned into... It was always a kid, so Billy Batson would say the word Shazam, but what would happen, he would then become an adult, and he'd have the wisdom of Solomon, you know, the strength, the speed, all these things, but Billy would essentially go elsewhere, and then this new person, Captain Marvel... It was like he would summon Captain Marvel. Yeah, so he would swap places. Right, it wouldn't necessarily actually be Billy becoming... You know, this being... It was another character, yeah, jumped There's in. a movie responsible for the change in the comics. We've mentioned it already. Big. Yeah, really? Big. After that movie, and was a big success, in the comics, it did change that Billy would still be Billy, only in an adult's body. Because they can play with, I guess, the, the fun. The fun that you get with that, with a kid becoming adult size and all the gimmicks and stuff. We've been talking positively about this movie, but there's something that did irk me, and it never actually happened. I was hoping that it would. He's, he's got all his, his different powers, and it's an acronym that makes up the name Shazam. The wisdom of Solomon, the superhuman strength of Hercules, the superhuman stamina of Atlas, the lightning powers from Zeus, 
the courage and indestructibility of Achilles, and the superhuman speed and flight of Mercury. All of them, but one for me, are present in this movie. He never demonstrates the wisdom of Solomon. Um, yeah, yeah. I was very disappointed I about mean, that. They actually, um, Freddie actually points out, he's like, oh, super intelligence isn't one of your powers. Like, clearly says that. And I mean, it but is it just kind in a moment. It kind of is. And it never presents itself. Now, if we're talking third act, and we'll pull back, but in the third act, it's he does have a realisation that it's, his family, that's his strength, that's his heart. Like, and he recognises and it brings them into the fold. But I mean, that's just that's just Billy discovering that, really. It is. It's nothing but, to do with... But that is the big revelation and around his powers in that moment, that's when Billy really becomes someone else. Now, we've seen him being Shazam throughout the movie, but that's when he really turns a corner and changes. And I just thought that would be around the wisdom of Solomon. I thought maybe he'd suddenly realise, he'd get a better better handle on his powers, but that never quite presented itself. But this is the first of maybe a trilogy. So there's time yeah. there's time for that to happen. But Levi, I just honestly, I cannot say enough good things about him. Like He really makes this film, but if they stuck to the original origin where he swapped places with, with like an adult, Levi wouldn't be your man. He's great at playing a 14-year-old kid in an adult body. Yeah, you would have got more of a, like, a stoicist. Very... Like a Henry Cavill type. You'd have gone for some... Pretty Henry, much. Henry Cavill, Chris Hemsworth. One of those guys would have been a better fit for Shazam. But this interpretation, Levi, all the it way. Probably would have been a character with no personality, though. Like, you know, very much coming from all these, like, godlike beings that are presented. The question is, like, I, I enjoyed what Zachary Levi was doing on screen as Shazam. I was also enjoying what... Asha Angel was doing as Billy when it was when there was like the first sort of introduction of you know like of Shazam coming in like the Zachary Levi version of him the back and forth between Billy and himself you know I I just felt a bit of a disconnect between what Billy was doing and then what Zach what what Shazam was doing like Zachary Levi plays a fourteen year old boy really well and there's a lot of fun things that he's doing with it but I wasn't really seeing what Asha Angel was doing as Billy in Zachary Levi it was like he did become a different version and I get it's like yeah, Billy as a kid suddenly has his powers so he's having fun a bit more personalities coming out but you know he's quite a serious sort of kid with a bit of you know a motive an agenda of you know what he needed to do and his feelings and stuff like that but yeah it just became a bit of a goofball I agree with all of that, and, I, okay, and I, cool. thought, I thought the same thing. But I also think it's intentional. Like, yeah, so there is, like, an intent to have so him we're just talk, talking about larger than life. Yeah, but talking about... So Billy Batson has had a very hard life. He was separated from his mother all those years ago, and he's lived part on the streets in foster care. So he really has had a hard time. So, and throughout those years, he's had to be very guarded. Walls are up. He shuts everybody out. Obviously, he's he's got his his agenda. He's looking at like being reunited with his mum. He's trying to find her, and that's where he is in the beginning of the movie. But I think not only like part of him getting the powers and becoming Shazam, those walls are coming down. Sort and, of, I get, I get like a... it, it was very narrow-minded in his focus. It was to find his mum, and that was it. And then all of a sudden, his world is broadened when he meets the other foster kids, the foster parents, and then he's got these superpowers. But it does feel like two different characters, 
to begin with, but I do feel as though by the as end of the movie, movie progresses, yeah, they kind of become they become one, one and the same. Maybe that is intentional. I, I think it, it is. It sort to be. of like I'm trying not to make more comparisons. Like a spider, you know, Peter Parker is timid, you know, contained, and then puts the spider suit on. And he becomes somebody else. He's a smartass. He's yeah. you know confident and stuff. Or Jim Carrey's the mask, you know, which is a little bit different, but. No, the comparisons though. Puts the mask on and suddenly he's a completely different like being. So that's what it is. It's not only Billy with powers, it's him with his guard down. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. Mentioned his mum. We find that she actually left him on purpose. What a rat. Well, I say left him on purpose. (laughs) Initially, it was an accident. And then when she saw he'd been found by the police. She just kind of went with it, eh? She was a teenage parent and she'd been thrown out from home. His dad was in prison and she just thought, or I think at the time it was nothing to do with him, but later we find out his dad's in prison. But she thought he'd be better off with another family or with the police, and she walks off. I think, like, yeah, rat bag. And again, it's... this is all New 52. Prior to that, I believe his parents, both of them, died in a car crash. Typical. And that's what Typical made him orphan. superhero origin. So they've changed, <laughs> they've changed it up. But it was... I kind of felt that's where they were going and it was they played it out really well but it also led to one of the best special effects in the movie when he gets up on the roof and he, and he hears that Savannah is at his foster home he's got the kids hostage and Billy's on the roof and he runs and jumps and it's night time and the light so hits his chest, hits his chest oh. and he flies off at super speed one of my favourite scenes is in the whole movie is that a poster like that should be a post. None of this blowing bubble gum and oh, know, with his phone and a packet of chips in his hand. I remember I sent you a poster. Look at this one. He's not eating or drinking on this. Oh, one. madness! <laughs> <laughs> but there is fan posters that they've used that scene. Oh, that's it, it should cool. be a post instead of him just leaning on his phone or yeah. Yeah, Which the, he the doesn't even. I mean, he takes a few selfies, a but he's me, barely using his phone. He's Billy is actually not that typical of you know a kid you find these days. He's is not like no, yeah. they've really played up the kid it's like you know so we got big all those years ago and then they did the gender swap version where it was what was it 13 going on 30 with jennifer garner mm. and i think they had a poster where she was blowing gum or something yeah that's what kids do but you're right though that <laughs> should that should be a poster so let's talk the family of characters we've got billy batson's multiracial foster family which as i mentioned before does come from the new 52 continuity I'm okay with that. I'm liking yeah, this yeah. modern direction. And in that, Savannah does resemble Mark Strong. Okay, well, look, that if, but if you go before New 52, he's just this short guy. That little guy, bald, almost like <laughs> gobbling-esque looking. Yeah. Where now they've got him more like, I don't know, Lex Luthor. <laughs> I will say Mark Strong and Savannah is a better Lex Luthor than Jesse Eisenberg. I mean, <laughs> in Batman I mean Superman. you're right. Uh, yeah. But then the Lex Luthor comparisons don't stop there because they've only gone and got John Glover, who played Lex's dad in Smallville, yeah, yeah. to play Savannah's dad. <laughs> Place of work is a big skyscraper with the family's name on the side. It essentially could be Lex Corp, couldn't it? <laughs> but we've got Freddie Freeman, played by Jack Dylan Grazer. He is great. And he has to do so much in this because he's not acting alongside just the, the Billy Batson version he's also got Shazam mm. and both of them I think he plays very well now this is the kid that played was it Charlie on the It movie the latest I know one. he was from It I can't remember the names but the sick, <laughs> he, was, he was the sick kid you know he was always sick always taking the meds and he was really good in that I've since seen him on a TV show Me, Myself and I Okay, that yeah. was a really good sitcom cancelled before it's time yep. <laughs> 
But he is so good in this, and he's the guy that's knowledgeable about superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Like, and we get to see. I mean, he throws a batarang. He throws a ben Affleck batarang. batarang, and we're getting to see like a bullet case like that a leg- bounced off not Superman. A, not a replica piece of merchandise. He throws Batman's replica. <laughs> I can't even say it. I'm getting so overwhelmed. Batman's batarang. He throws every other time that you'd see him. He'd be wearing a different superhero shirt, whether mm. it's Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. The, he, the first time we meet him, he's wearing an Aquaman shirt, and my wife is sitting next to me, and I'm looking at her, and she's just like, like nothing. I just wanted to tell her, like I wanted to shake and be like, "That's Aquaman's shirt." But yeah, they kept doing it though. Daily Planet even wears a Wonder Woman shirt. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we got to see front page of the Daily Planet, and it was the invasion from Man of Steel. Yeah. So you're very much living that world, and I think I would have been okay if it was just reserved to his bedroom and him as a character. There were some others, like when you visit the school, there's For other me, it characters. For me, it was too much. Batman and I, backpacks. Yeah, and yeah. And, and because... The toy store? Oh, man. Because the Batman backpack was so noticeable, whenever we'd cut to the scene, like that, that kid was always just walking up the steps to go into the school. Like, yeah, I get it. She's a, two or three times. I, I get think it. She's did. arriving at school time. The bell's gone. But I find it very distracting. In every shot. Every, every time it would come out, oh, there she is again. Every, there she is again. Yeah. Like, did they <laughs> every call, setting up shot of, of the school. Did they shoot all these scenes in an hour? <laughs> they definitely did, 100%. Um, but you mentioned the toy store, though. It was quite funny when Shazam picks up Batman, who's, you know, he's got the voice mm. activation. You know, get in Batman and throws him, you hear the Batman voice. It really does paint a bit of a picture of, of the DC world, because it's like, you have these real superheroes, and you know, you've seen it in, you know, some of the Marvel things, or Marvel, like, TV things. You have where seen you, it, Where right. you see toys yep. of these characters, but the designs are interesting, you know, like, you get toys with Superman with red underwear, you get, you know, a grey and blue Batman, it's very... But then, if you think of toy companies... They often do take liberties with <laughs> Which, merchandise. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it, but you do think that, you know, we know the characters that look like that, yet they're portrayed differently in these movies. Yeah, like in the real world, toy companies would take, you know, a version of a character from a certain piece of artwork or comic. You know, you, we have seen a blue and grey Batman before. We have seen Superman in red underwear. In this universe, yeah, like they have created that themselves. It's very... See, it's like superheroes. And I guess, you know, for Freddy and, and just looking at all the toys, they're viewed more like celebrities. <laughs> yeah, with the toy line. But with the tone of this movie, it, it works. Really fit. Yeah, it works. Mary Bromfield, played by Grace Fulton. I know, yeah. No. I, I thought she was really good. Yeah. But I was disappointed in Mary. Not this version of Mary. I mean, we're giving the spoiler warning, and something happens in the third act, we could just touch on it now. The family all transform and get their own individual power of Shazam. Thanks to Funko and their pop toy line knew it was going to happen because the pops have been out for months. This is where I'm coming from with that, right? So, yeah, I had seen those pops and, uh, like, I'm not uh, hell familiar with, you know, Shazam, Captain Marvel, like, the, everything that goes on. I was just thinking, oh, maybe there are other versions of him or whatever. I didn't look into it and I completely forgot that I'd seen these pops. I'm glad that you had that experience. So I was watching this movie, no idea this was happening, completely forgot there were there were meant to be other Shazam type characters. And then when all these kids turn into I'm like, oh yeah. And yeah, it was it was glorious. One of the best parts of a really enjoyable movie. I'm gonna mention Spider Man one more time. 
Spider-Man Homecoming, you know when they're at the the pier, whatever it is, and there's like the Ferris wheel, and it's like, that could have been amazing to see Spider-Man swing around the Ferris wheel. Never happened. They just were on the beach. It was, it was a backdrop. This movie has them flying around, climbing on the Ferris wheel, just all over this like fairground. I loved it. You know what word comes to mind? Magical. Yeah, it was magical. It's I mean, the bright. power by magic, but it generally was a magical experience and, he, and I knew it was going to happen but I was okay with it I mean one I'd seen the pops but two I have read that New 52 mm-hmm. comic and it happens in there that's where it happened for the first time yeah. they get a, a beautiful double page spread illustrated by Gary Frank it looks amazing so I was waiting for it to happen but they more than delivered on the concept for me amazing. it's absolutely brilliant so okay let's go back to Freddie Freeman so he is when he's young played by as I mentioned Jack Dillon but when he's older, Adam Brody. Now, are you familiar with Adam Brody? Of course, the OC. Yeah, Seth Cohen. Years ago, when George Miller was making his um, Justice League movie that never happened, he was the Flash, Barry Allen. <laughs> awesome. So Adam Brody, all these years later, we finally got to play an on-screen DC yeah. superhero. Like if you know, obviously, if you're familiar with the Seth Cohen character from the OC, you know, like comic books was like his his thing. It was just. It's just crazy like when he appeared on screen and I didn't know he was going to be in this movie. And it's like, it just makes sense that he was playing an older Freddy. It just, I was like, he absolutely wow, perfect. And more than any other family member, he's playing the older version of, character, of a character that we have spent so much time with. Yeah, that's it. Everyone else, it's just sort of, I'm not familiar with a lot of the other actors. There's one guy that I know from 13 Reasons Why. That was about everyone else. I was like, I don't know any of you people, but that's fine. You know, they, they were doing a fine job. Back to Mary. And to back up a little bit, before the name change and everything in the comics, you had Captain Marvel, and then you had his extended family of superheroes. You had Captain Marvel Jr., who was Freddie Freeman. In this movie, they don't get names either. They just get, like, Superhero Mary. I think that's how they refer to in the credits. But it used to be that in in the comics, Freddie Freeman would say the name of his favourite hero, Captain Marvel. He wouldn't say Shazam. He used to say Captain Marvel and then he'd get his powers. Like in the movie, he's blue. He's got the blue costume. Mm-hmm. Mary Marvel, I don't know if she said Shazam or or Captain Marvel as well, but you find out that she is Billy's long-lost twin sister. That's the, that's the comics. So okay, it yeah. threw me at first when watching it, oh, okay, they're not the same age. Mm. They're meant to be siblings. And the interesting thing about Mary is when she would transform into Mary Marvel, she would look the same, only wearing the costume. So at first, I did think they'd kept the same actress, but when she transforms, she's actually played by Michelle Booth. And they do look very similar. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until after the movie that I realised, oh, actually, they're using two actresses for Mary. I think I would have liked it if they'd have kept the one, but it would have made a secret identity difficult considering they're all over yeah. the media. Well, with the other kids, it's like they are still you know, quite young, quite youthful looking where... Um, you know, she still looks to keep the same mean, age. Grace Fulton, yeah, it looks sort of... I mean, she's about to go to college. She, She's not going to be ageing like, realistically in the next you know, 10, 20 years. She will look quite similar to what you know, Grace Fulton looks like. We've got Eugene Cho, played by Ian Chen. Later played by Ross Butler. He's a funny kidney. <laughs> so he's the computer nerd. Yeah. He's the one that's playing Raiden Mortal Kombat. And then we see him with Sparkle Fingers, which was 
Pretty cool. <laughs> Pedro Pina, played by Jovan Armand, later played by DJ Catrona, who, again, I mentioned that George Miller Justice League movie. He was cast as Superman. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I didn't know any of this. this so is now madness. he is one of the Shazam family. You know, in, in the US, I think Fandango, they did like a three-week early screening of Shazam, and they had cast members, including Zachary Levi, introduce the movie. And they actually refer to the family as Shazamly. <laughs> this is my Shazamly. I hate it, personally. But <laughs> yeah. It's not in the movie, but that's how they refer to the family in the movie. Because they used to be the Marvel family. That was the thing. Yeah, so they can't go there. They can can't they? do that. <laughs> they can't have Mary Marvel, well, like Captain Marvel Jr. Hmm, marvellous. Darla Dudley, played by Faith Herman when she's young, Megan Good when she's older. Next to Shazam, and a close second, the the grown-up Darla is my favourite character in this movie. I think because she is obviously such a young character, what is she like, like seven, eight? She's very, very, very young. young. So to see the adult version of her sort of... Very capable with her powers, but... But she's, yeah, she's like a seven, eight year old, whatever she is, you know, like, yeah, like she really does bring that out. It's... And what I like about the family, like before they transform and when they transform, the short amount of screen time that they do get, they've all got individual personalities. And you know mm. that with Darla, it's very much like family is everything to her. Like she's a big hugger. Yeah. She likes to be the little sister. So she's all about family. So it's good when she's embracing her powers as the adult version and then, because she's doing good, she's getting praise from the other family members, and that just like fuels her even more. Yeah. And she is so great in this because you're looking at Levi; he's playing a 14 year old. Megan, she's playing, like you say, a six, seven year old. Yeah. By the end of this movie, I, I swear, like, like talk about any of the kids, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I grew to like quite fond of of each of them. Even you know, even Pedro, you know, like being all quiet. It's like. You know, we've all known someone sort of like that. It's like, you know, but you know that there's, you know, a big personality in there. He just needs to come out of his shell. Like, yeah, kind of... Have you heard the chatter online about him? Like, apparently... The character, the actor, The character of Pedro, apparently what people are saying is he is the first gay DC superhero on the big screen. Okay. Now, you've got all to right. think that, but there's a reason. Like, And it's a line of dialogue, and it's very quick. You'd almost miss it. It's when they escape from the Rock of Eternity. Say something like, not my type or club. something. Yeah, not my thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got to think now, it could just be a throwaway thing. And it's, you know, and some people might have issue because of the age of the character when he's younger. That's it, yeah. But you know what? Kids, Some kids know. Like, if, if they're <laughs> like, homosexual, they know. Yeah, we thought, when we were like, you know... What would Pedro be about? 13, 14, 15, maybe? So, yeah, so he's close in age when to When we were, though, like, younger. we liked boobs, didn't we? Or, you know, like, we, you know, like, we, I guess we knew what we liked, sort of thing, or, yeah, either so way. So, on one hand, it could just be a throwaway line, but because I think the like the writers and the directors got to be so strategic, because there's so many characters, like, giving them screen time, like, you've got to think... Whatever, any fine detail they give to them... Is important, yeah, like, there's something. no there's no throwaway dialogue, dialogue, sorry. Everything they're saying has meaning. Yeah. So anyway, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but it's just something, if that is the case, an extra thing. Or potentially, for it. potentially, like, this might be uh, full theorising, but maybe his character is, 
you know, because he is so quiet, reserved, and to himself, maybe he has no just just zero interest. Could be. Could be. And that's what maybe it's implying. Like we don't not know. Not into it. But if that's the direction they're going, all for it. If not, it could have just been a line, or as you say, referring to something else. But I think all of that, you know, just like there's quirks for the characters, like you know, mentioning Eugene at the beginning. Like the thing with him, obviously, he's into computer games, but he didn't recognise it was no longer daylight outside. Mm. He'd been doing it that. I think they did so much with little screen time to develop these characters that yeah. made you care for them. Like when Savannah is putting them at risk, you wanted these kids to be okay. Oh, legit, yeah. It was like I'm, I'm fond of you. Well, let's talk. Can you mention um, Mary obviously working out that Billy is. Is Shazam, which was great. I mean, she's been accepted into a prestigious school. You <laughs> yeah. think she'd be able to work it so out? So all these many years of no one trying to, no one being able to work out that Clark Kent is Superman or vice versa. I mean, they essentially look the same. But here you have two characters who don't look the same. Mary just worked it out. She's got. Hey, it. Listen, right? But I buy it. I buy this more than the other. There's uh, two pictures side by side comparison online of actress uh, Zoe Dachanel. Yeah, yeah. And one, she's got bangs, glasses. The other, no glasses, hair tied up. She looks like two completely different people. Ain't that the truth? Based on that <laughs> alone, I completely buy Clark Kent Superman. It is possible. But you're right, a 14-year-old kid transforming into an adult. Bit more of a stretch than taking yeah. off glasses and dropping your curl. <laughs> yeah, dropping, your curl. <laughs> dropping your curl. Dropping your hair. Wait, you watch out when you drop your curl. Um, and yeah, I guess we spoke about uh, Thaddeus Savannah a bit already. But what I really liked is that you get to see him as a kid. This is not something that I thought the movie would start with because what that adds to the movie for me, you're getting to see two teenagers with very similar choices mm -hmm. come from difficult backgrounds but for different reasons and then one makes the bad choice, one makes the good choice. And then he just like, resented not being able to have that power his whole life. And I thought it was just an interesting way to set that up by showing him as a kid first. I think it's always good when a superhero movie opens with the villain, like with the villain's origin. You know, but, take yeah. Batman Returns with the Penguin or The point. Dark Knight with the Joker. You know, spending that time with a, with a villain, which kind of has the villain kick-starting or, you know, being that... It just being that thing that like kicks everything off. Not only that, you're seeing worldwide, like the wizard's been busy trying <laughs> to find a successor. Mm. But what I did find different in this movie, and just what my takeaway was, it got to the point where the sins had been set loose. Yep. And the normal tests and trials that he would put on somebody to take the power of Shazam didn't necessarily get put on Billy. Isn't that the truth? It's yes. sort of like, oh, he was just the next one I was calling in, but I'm making him take it. He did a good thing. Like, he protected his mm -hmm. foster brother against the bullies. But I feel as though... He never actually was If the tested. sins had not escaped, he'd have maybe gone through more tests. But it's... Cause he, and then what does he do? Like, you know, he's, he's building, like, a celebrity profile. It's like he's, he's wanting money for deeds. And it's not until, like, the, if he goes through the arc of the movie that he becomes worthy of the power so he just become worthy I just don't think Billy starts that way he was never fairly tested so I guess is the message of the movie like you know with all these people that were tested and obviously they failed the test is it essentially like no one is like no one is initially worthy anyway but that's what I think they're saying like yeah. you can become worthy you can become worthy yeah. but yeah, that, I think I mean, that Billy really did get the powers 
by luck. Like he was yeah. just the next one that was, it being was called just the in, next one. Which and he was I think forced to have the powers. If not doing, if not standing up for Freddy, he'd have never got there in the first place. I reckon that is the act. Okay, true. That yeah. Got him there, but then he wouldn't have necessarily been able to get to the next stage. But was would everyone who had would have had to have done something? I mean, Savannah didn't necessarily do anything. I mean, on I guess his first call. Yeah, I mean, he had like a, an interest in magic, so maybe that's what pulled him in. So maybe they're looking at like you know different different. Kids playing with a with a magic eight ball, bring him in. <laughs> but then it, I didn't expect to see how widespread it was when they're showing people all over the world that had yeah. been like approached by this wizard. Like you know, he's like, I mean, he was tired anyway. Like he was, he was old. <laughs> you know, we should mention like playing the the wizard. I still don't know how I feel about him because I think he's okay. I guess. But uh, the actor has got really hard to pronounce. Oh, I, I would say Digimon, but I don't that's think that's him. right. Uh, Hansau? Is... Yeah, Jamon Hansau. Interestingly, not only Spelled is he in the movie Shazam, he's also in Captain Marvel. Both movies. Isn't he also in Aquaman? Yes, he's in Aquaman, <laughs> playing the Fisher King. Yeah, the Fisher King. But you never King actually see him in that, but you see him in Captain Marvel, no, and you true, see yeah. him in Shazam. But both Captain Marvel movies, we've had none, now we've got two. And he's in both of them. So who was he in Captain Marvel? He was uh, one of the... What, not Star Jammers. What were they called? Starfire or the the Kree military team. So is he the same guy that's in Guardians of the Galaxy then as well? Yeah. The guy that goes, who? Yeah. Star Lord. <laughs> yeah, that's him. That's the Wizard Shazam. He's been in too many of these things. <laughs> oh, man, he's, he's been in probably more. He might have. He might, is he in the most? <laughs> He'd have to be. Oh man! He'd have to be in the most for sure. When they're in the Rock of Eternity, you see quite a few things. Like when the kids are trapped there and they're opening up all the different doors yeah. to try and escape. Like I knew the crocodile men to be characters okay. because they are long-time <laughs> enemies of Captain Marvel in the comics. Oh. Never did I expect to see them in this movie. I didn't know what was going on there. I was just getting a, like a Monsters Inc. vibe. I was like, one of these doors, they just go through one of them and then they have to get, catch a plane home or something. I didn't know what was happening. Throughout the film, Billy displays a liking of tigers and he's got one like on his backpack and then when he becomes Shazam, there's like details of tigers like as part of the Gold costume. Tigers. Which I guess you could take as a homage to Mr. Talky Tawny, who is a magical tiger, ally of Captain Marvel in the comics. Ah. He's essentially like a uh, like a humanoid tiger. He's very polite, wears a, a suit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? And, and he, is, he is an ally. There's been different interpretations. He but wears I'm a thinking, suit, so he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's all right. <laughs> so I'm thinking, and I think in the comics as well, like as a kid, like in the movie, like his mum gives him that keychain with the navigation. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, what's it called? The uh, compass. That's it. <laughs> the, the navigation, navigation tool. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the little com- compass globe. But in the comics, he had a tiger, and that's what comforted him as a kid. Well, they play with that, yeah, yeah. Like, I want the tiger. <laughs> but after seeing the Crocodile Men in a sequel, for sure, we're gonna get Mister Talky Tony. We'd have to. I want to say that. <laughs> Just give me more talking animals. Yeah. Right. So with the effects, is there any other like big things that stood out to you? I did recognise a scene when you've got the aerial battle between Shazam and Savannah. It was very Man reminiscent of, of Man of Steel, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, not going to be an accident. They even oh, intentionally, for sure. They homaged that scene in Supergirl in the TV series. Right. And they did it quite well there. But it, it's got to be that. But I mean, that was the first moment where I was like, oh, this does feel like, <laughs> you know, like the DC universe that we, we've had. Because of that, it was like, yeah, this is how dudes fight in the air. 
very fast. Boom, boom, boom. And you do recognise, and I mentioned that this not having the same budget as Aquaman, so there's times where you do notice that the effects or the budget isn't quite where these other movies would be on the same scale. But I like that about it. I, like I just that. feel like they're doing... I think the effects still looked fine. I think they were just doing less with it. But that's okay for what it is. It's like, this is just a kid... You know, like he's still flying and the flying looks fine. He's just not flying around like a nut like Superman would be. You know, like the fight... You know, it doesn't go for very long because I guess they're both not really fighters. Now, I'm not going to sit here like, and yeah. pick scenes apart say, I don't like the effects here. Because I, I don't mean like the quality wasn't quite there. I think you're right. It's essentially... They're just... Because they've got a smaller budget, they've put less on screen. It's just a low, not, lower scale... It is low but scale. It still but looks pretty good. Like, it, it does. Yeah, it looks good. They've not stretched that smaller budget. They've met, they've used the budget for what they can afford. Yes, yes. So they've not like cheapened it. I think the suit looks absolutely fantastic. Do you know the the lightning bolt emblem on his chest, and then he's got lightning in his like I want to say bracelets, but gauntlets mm. is probably <laughs> a better way. And I think some in his boots. It's actually battery powered. Oh. So it wasn't CGI. So I like that they gave practical elements to his suit. That probably would more expensive though. What, batteries? Yeah, batteries no, are pricey. No, no. And I think and it's just sort of like when you've got him in the costume walking on set, it's how we see him on the screen, which I think would be good for the actors playing off him as well. That's it. And obviously can... the lightning effects when, when Freddy touches his chest is going to be added. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. But I think if they had an option not to use CGI, they were taking it. Definitely. But then we did see the Seven Deadly Sins and some of them generally quite, well, all of them actually, horrific to look at. Yeah. And when they're pulling people apart, we didn't see blood. Because it's not that kind of movie, but we did see the violence. I've got to say, for essentially 100% CGI monsters, which we all know how we feel about that, I thought these were fine. Like, I, none of them took me out. I wasn't like, I'm just seeing a computer sort of just animation on screen. It was. I was like, no, I'm buying this. I don't know why. Maybe my glasses were foggy that day, but no, it looked pretty decent. And I think it's tone. I reckon that does it add helps to it. when like you're the going tone full and scale of this movie. I think yeah, if you're going full scary gritty, you do like a like but hopefully this movie shows Warner Brothers DC that they can have a smaller scale and with a smaller scale they can take bigger risks. Like we're getting Joaquin Phoenix his Joker movie later in the year and again that's got an even smaller budget and it might give us like more of a variety of content and they can take risks like Joker and Shazam must have been a risk because tonally, although it's set in the, the DCEU, it very much stands apart. Yeah. But you can accept it with its own quirks. I think but they put out a movie where by the end of it, you're like, I've met these characters, I've gone on this journey with them. There's more meat and heart to the story than when you do go crazy big and bombastic, you know, and have this giant CGI overfest of special effects and fireworks and fire it's crazy I walked out this movie with a smile on my face and it's isn't that isn't yeah. that right like and when and when we're saying it's a comedy like what I mean like not only have they attempted to make a comedy it's a funny movie mm. like it's generally funny they've got a funny cast the scene in the convenience store even though we'd seen it a lot in the trailers really holds up when you're still watching it after how many times in TV spots <laughs> and trailers but when he's like ordering the beer and he's like, you know, beer please, or however he puts it, and she points to it. That's funny in itself, 
but it's the way that he turns and his boots squeak as he walks off. <laughs> it's just perfect. And then, and then they are kids. They taste the beer. They spit it out. Go back in and get soft drinks. Yeah, they're just like we want. We want Coke and Cheetos. Like that's all we want. They. I was worried for probably about the first half an hour of the movie because I still wasn't sure what really the tone was. Is this fitting? You know, is this movie its own thing or is it a part of something bigger? And I was like, oh, this isn't. And then you had you know the Shazam and Billy sort of contrast that wasn't really working at first but yeah by the end of the movie like you said i had also just the just a smile at every every line every bit of action every everything that was happening what i really like about it is until this movie it didn't exist it's not another batman movie another superman that's movie. true yeah this is the it, first it's the first and we're comparing it to big and that's the easy comparison but what else is there? Even comparing it to Big, this isn't that. No, it's no. Like, it's... That is, it's got an element of that. But then you're adding in... Banana Man is the, the closest connection I've got. You Which like... came after Captain Marvel. This character's been around, I believe, since the 1940s. That's Yeah, that's here. It's nuts. The score, then. Let's talk music, because to me, and I know to you as well, the good superhero theme mm. is very important. I mean, I don't remember this one. It's one that I've gone back to a lot since watching the movie because I wanted to try and have some sort of uh, opinion on it. Uh, I didn't go as far as picking it up on iTunes because I'm not that... I don't know, I liked it, but I don't think I need to add it to my iTunes library yeah, just yet. Yeah. So I've been sampling it on Spotify. The full album is is on there. And there is some good tracks on there. Like The first track is like the Shazam theme and it's, and it's heroic and it very much plays like a throwback and with a character like Shazam you can do that so you're going to get those John Williams vibes yeah, yeah. You know, it's more John Williams than say Hans Zimmer you know, it's very much a throwback to those big fanfares and I did have fun with it but I did have to go and listen to it again because although yeah. I enjoyed it in the movie I couldn't remember it afterwards yeah I can't remember anything sort of taking me out because of the music I remember the music working and you know just adding to the atmosphere but yeah, I just don't recall what it is. But maybe after a few watches or something, I'll be like, ah, oh, you know, paying more attention to it. Well, when you check out the soundtrack, you've got the Shazam theme, which is good, and then the the Shazamly, the Shazam <laughs> family theme when they're at the fun fair. That's a really good one as well. It really like takes good lifts from the signature theme that you get at the opening. Yeah, I think you know it's it's pretty good. We um, we get a Superman cameo. Yeah, speaking of John Williams and uh, uh, yes, music, yeah, and they... you do get the yeah, John yeah, Williams they... theme, or is it the Danny Elfman one from Justice League? Who knows? Uh... <laughs> Who knows? So in this movie, Actually, yeah, good point. <laughs> Why did we get the Superman theme? Yeah, <laughs> hang on a sec. It probably is the Elfman one. Yeah, mm. but with this movie, like midway through, the whole thing is like kids being kids. Freddy's like, hey, you know that hero in the media? I know him. Yeah, and okay, prove it. Bring him to school, the cafeteria doesn't happen everyone laughs at freddy and then the last part of the the movie because what you do get is that regardless of the age of the kids they all go to the same school which here in australia would not be the case like you wouldn't have a say seven year old with a 14 16 17 year old in the same school yeah that's true yeah it had broken up but that's fine well they did say i mean in that scene you, you know freddy was like what are you doing here and she was like oh i you know They've made sure they're because all on they, the same lunch Yeah, break. they actually said, oh, like, your lunch isn't until which... I think that implies they do go to a different school or a different no, section of the school or something. No, it implies that they go to a different section. Because there's that many kids in the school, so it'd have to be massive. Yeah. They have different lunch breaks. So they do have that line, but it doesn't change the fact that a seven-year-old goes to the same school as, say, a 17-year-old. Yes. 
But we're talking about Supermodel. Let's <laughs> stuck into that. So not only do they join Freddy, because, you know, he goes to sit down there, other kids move away from him like yeah. he's, you know, like got leprosy and nobody wants to be around him. <laughs> and then, not Henry Cavill. He does have a crutch, though, so you don't want to go near those kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to catch. Uh, Crutchitis. <laughs> oh, that sounds nasty. <laughs> Superman walks in, and again, not Cavill. Just some Superman, guy. Just some guy. Shoulders down. Mm. I mean, it, mm, did it look like his body? <laughs> oh, yes, I've paid close attention to Henry Cavill over the years. I think it looked a bit smaller. That's I don't know. Like, I think it looks like Superman. Now, we do know from behind the scenes that initially this was supposed to be Henry Cavill in a cameo. But what I find interesting, because you don't see the head, you're just looking at the costume. There is some slight detail changes from the last... Superman costume that we've got in Justice League and primarily it's around the waist there's like a red outline that wasn't in the other costumes which is potentially a homage to the red underwear oh. on the outside which means that potentially I did not costume, pick up on that like you the costume uh, I read about it afterwards. <laughs> okay, <I was> <laughs> but potentially like the costume was moving closer towards the classic costume mm. but it does make you think even more so if they've made some tweaks and is you know to the design slightly they really did want Cavill for it. But it didn't happen. Like, maybe they could have got, I don't know, Jason Momoa. Like, you know, got him to walk in as Aquaman. You know, he's still on the Warner Brothers payroll. We could have had Aquaman walking going, my man. <laughs> or something, something like that. Like, that would have been perfect. We would have walked in and been like, Freddy, my man. Yeah. yeah. But instead, you know, Superman is my all-time favourite. It was good to see him. And I guess he him. is the closest comparison. You know, you've got a bulky dude, tights, a cape. That's it. That's the... But then, again, I keep going back to the, the tone of this movie and what it is. You can get away with having Superman just from the shoulders down. Because it's it's a throwaway. It's just a, a, a like gimmick, a joke. Uh, yeah, and also because you're looking at like Freddy's eye level as well. So that kind yeah. of works because he sat down, he's at the table. If you'd have had that Superman cameo in even Aquaman, it just wouldn't have worked, and it'd just been like cheesily just tacked on. Because Aquaman was so big, it would have had to have been Superman flying or something, something epic to go in with it. With him walking into a cafeteria, you know, off shot. Yeah, it, it, it does work. But also, because... I mean, this is not a post credit scene. This is like literally the last scene of the movie. It's almost like... You know when you get the teen movies where it'll end with... Let's say if it ends at a school, like a teen comedy, 10 Things There About You, that kind of movie, and it'll end with a band playing on the roof of the school. And the band's not really there. That's there for the audience. Yep. <laughs> so it's almost sort of like something that's like tacked on, like an extra thing. So it's almost like maybe that is for us. Like it breaking the fourth in the world. wall a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. It does feel that way. But we do get two post-credit scenes. The first one, we get Mr. Mind. The little intelligent a... alien caterpillar. Yeah, he's a caterpillar, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like in Guardians, Rocket Raccoon, although looks like an Earth raccoon, isn't. It's an alien species. Mm. So that's kind of what they're doing with this. Did you see Mr. Mind in the opening? I did see the like the little the caterpillar, caterpillar thing. And straight away, the opening of the movie, Rock of Eternity, there it is. When the the sins escape and you go back, the glass is smashed. I was hoping we were going to come back to him, and we do. But interestingly, voicing Mr. Mind, it's David F. Sandberg, the director. Yeah. Just which to... I thought was um, so, pretty cool. If we talk sequel and Mr. Mind, do you reckon 
He'll yeah, that's where they'll be going. But will they keep? Will he continue to voice him? I mean, or would? Oh, well, maybe. Oh, maybe I mean, it's, it's like a monotone voice, isn't it? Because like Mister Mind, he communicates with a speaker around his neck. Right. So. Which again, it's pure comic book buffoonery. <laughs> buffoonery. Which <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quite sure which word I was going to use, and I settled. <laughs> what did you? What did you think it was in? Buffoonery. Great. <laughs> so yeah, so that's our first first post credit scene. But I I liked that he came back and he was talking, he was being all sinister. Now if we're gonna compare to the comics, now what's interesting, Shazam before any other superhero, a team of supervillains led by Mr. Mind formed. So now yeah. you've got like the Injustice League, you've got the What's the Spider-Man one called? Oh, Sinister Six. That's them. Yeah, we go. Oh, pressure. <laughs> but it started with Shazam. So he, you know, initially, you know, he did. He yeah. was a copy of Superman, right. but he was doing some things first. So if we if we jump into a sequel, and I want, I, I want more of this family, this Shaman, Shazam. I can't even say it. Shazamly. <laughs> oh, they're gonna need a team to go up against. They and they will. There's they gonna can't be... just beat up one guy again. That's not fair. <laughs> Savannah, you got Mister Mind, and they're probably gonna pull other people in as well. Mm. I'm hopeful for where this movie is gonna go because there's no way this doesn't get a sequel. I mean, they can pull other characters from other DC films. You know, you get, um, some, get a dead shot in there, like Black Adam. You know, when they shoot that, and he'll be going up against him at some point. I bet Levi's nervous because. Johnson's massive. He's big. <laughs> He's a big guy. <laughs> but we get a second post-credit scene, and it is a Aquaman joke. Now I heard this was part of this was within trailers, and I hadn't seen this. Though, I've never seen. I didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah, something it, it was all new to me. Yeah, I've been winding. I'm like, oh, I've already seen that. But I, I'm first time for me. Maybe it was a clip, or I don't know how they'd seen that. But it was it was new to me, and it was a joke. Like you know, maybe you could have these powers referring to Aquaman's powers. <laughs> yeah, you talked to fear. He's like, and, but that's lame. What can you do with that? And it's like, and then yeah, it's like you know, Warner Brothers just winking at the audience. Yeah. Aquaman billion dollars at the box office. Yeah, that's it. It was fine. I enjoyed the Mister Mind tag, and then it was good seeing Freddy and Shazam again. Yeah. It, yeah, like it was fun. The my wife needed to really go to the toilet during those credits, and I was like, "Oh, we gotta wait. We gotta wait and see." I was like, "Yeah," and she's, she's like, "Okay with you telling everybody well, that?" Nah, <laughs> people need to go to the toilet after movies. Okay, it'll happen. Wait for Endgame. You all need to go. But she was like, "This better be freaking worth it." Like, oh my god, and it was that. So I guess in a way, it was kind of underwhelming, but I'm glad I stayed. Oh, you've always <laughs> got to always got to stay. Okay, the rating, Jason. Um, yeah, it's the movie started for me. Like I said, I was a bit concerned. Um, I was maybe hovering around 2.5, wow. 3. What, for the first half hour? Yeah, first half. Okay. Just because I was like, I'm worried. I'm really, I didn't know what was happening. Wow, you calculate live as, as you're watching as the movie. I'm, yeah, I think I'm going through all of this again, prepared. Um, look, the, what is there more to say? Like, I'm still, I'm still with it. Family friendly, you know. Like, yeah, it does get a bit, uh, a bit gritty here and there, but it's, it's still pretty tame. It's okay. There's a lot of fun. The jokes are jokes. The jokes are within the world. They make sense. They're kind of, they're kids just having fun. Um, Zachary Levi is doing something really cool. There's, there's, like I said, you bond with the kids. You get to know these characters, and by the end of it, with that Shazamly. Yeah, just smiles on my face like throughout the whole thing. I was having such a good time. The movie crept up. It went to a 3. It went to a 3.5. And I'm going to land on a 4. A nice 4 for it out of 5. I'm a 4 as well. Whoa! I've said a lot of things I enjoyed. And what I will say is I 
did like this more than Aquaman, which was a movie I know you didn't like. But <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun with with Aquaman. But mm. this, this is a really good movie. Which you know, Wisdom of Solomon did bother me. <laughs> he never really played <laughs> into the character. But everybody is so likable. Yeah, I think any faults that you can sort of find, you just sort of either brush them off or it's just it's just not as important, I guess, as the overall story, which is what they're telling and. And I just found there's so much charm here. Like, you've got really likeable, fleshed-out characters. You know, we should probably just give credit to Cooper Andrew, who played Victor Vasquez, and Martin Millens, who played Rosa Vasquez. They're the foster foster parents. Yeah, Yeah, they had a few gags as well and had a good presence, and we found out their backstory was they were both foster children. And you get that they're coming from a place where they really do care about this yeah. family. And Like, when you first meet them, it's like, you do kind of think they're a bit cheesy, you know, like, they're all hands in, you know, like, before they're... But basically it, their version yeah. of saying grace, like, before dinner. But by the end of it, it's just like, nah, you know what? They're just freaking nice people. And I think that's where you get to with all the with all the characters by the end of it. You're just like, I just had a good time. So this is a family comedy, but at times... Scary. So if you've got little <laughs> kids, maybe watch it first Be before wary. taking them along because yeah. they could end up having nightmares. But I like how, again, I mentioned how Mark Strong was able to take Savannah into a much darker place than what we get tonally from the rest of the movie. Made him stand out as a villain. We got to see his backstory, which fleshed out his role some more. And it's just, the movie is a lot of fun. So a solid four out of five. Now, as always, we're going to close out on some trivia. And I figured we'd talk about the movie in full, which we have. (laughs) So I'm going back to the comics. Shazam first appeared as the superhero Captain Marvel in Wiz Comics issue two. That was published by Fawcett Comics back in 1940. At one point, Captain Marvel was even more popular than Superman in the 1940s, which I was quite surprised to hear that. By 1953, Fawcett seized publishing Captain Marvel stories when DC Comics threatened to sue them for copyright infringement, claiming the character was a copy of Superman. I mean, the comparisons are there. I mean, he's even got his own Lex Luthor. I mean, yes. (laughs) Captain Marvel returned to publication in 1972 when DC purchased the rights to all the characters under the Marvel family banner. Marvel Comics now had its own character called Captain Marvel, it had unveiled years earlier when the character name wasn't in use. And that's what forced DC to change the name of its Captain Marvel to Shazam. Wow. So a bit of publishing history there. There you go. So I think more than any other superhero, it is quite complicated. But interesting. So if you listen to this, you've seen the movie and enjoyed it. Now you know a little bit more about where the character came from the page. That's it for our review of Shazam. Oh, also, before we close... Just say the word, tagline for the movie, my favourite tagline in a long time. Works really well. So that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Again, for our review of Shazam, please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that Film Street Podcast. And we also have our sister shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. Also, be sure to check out our new website, thatfilmsdewpodcast.com. Up next from us is a review of Pet Cemetery. Sounds Like Comics recently put out an episode looking back at the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from 1990. And Rewind and Review will soon be rewinding to 2004 to check out Hellboy. 
You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film studio. See you soon.